0: Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are falling for the first time in four days as disappointing numbers from Macy's to Walt Disney heighten concern that American consumers remain hesitant to boost spending. Macy's down 14% now. Disney is down 4.4%. Dow Industrials dropping 197 Six points, a decline there of 1.1%. S&P 500 index down 16, a drop of 8 tenths of 1%. NASDAQ is down 7 tenths of 1%. Gold up 13.30 the ounce to 12.78, a gain there of 1.1%. Crude oil up $1.47 a barrel, 46.12 right now, a gain there of 3.3%. I'm Charlie Peloton, that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Bloomberg taking stock. The Fed in focus.
1: Interest rates are too low for where the economy is going. The question is how much higher should they be? The Fed has increased its assets, yes, and in doing so it has increased its liabilities. Keeping interest rates at zero for a long time is not going to cause inflation to go up. It's very controversial. I think what we need to do is find a way for the Fed to integrate its policy and think more about its impact on the world. The Fed in focus. On
0: Bloomberg Radio.
2: Federal Reserve, are they going to raise interest rates in June or will market bets be right again? And will the Fed perhaps not raise rates until the end of the year if then? This is the question on the market's mind and so many investors' minds as well. To grapple with it, to look at the eco-data, to look at some recent comments from Federal Reserve officials, including on this program, we're very happy to welcome back to the show Diane Swank. She's founder of Diane Swank Economics, based in Chicago. However, joining us today... From our bureau in Washington, D.C., home of Bloomberg 99.1. Welcome, Diane. Good to be here. So, uh, Washington, D.C., uh, certainly the, the debate continues there as well. But in your mind, when you look at the uh, probability of a Fed rate hike as reflected in the Fed Fund Futures contract. Uh, Almost no chance the Fed moves in June, and yet we have spoken recently to a couple of Fed officials who certainly kept the door open to that possibility, including John Williams, President of the San Francisco Fed, just last week.
3: This is the issue, is that we're still seeing this break between, you know, within the Fed about what they want to do. Clearly, Chair Yellen has to corral the cats. She was able to do that to some extent at the last meeting, but there really is no clear direction on signaling from the Fed, and I think that's why you're seeing. In the financial markets because of this dissonance, financial markets not pricing it in, and as much as I think it would be advantageous for the Fed to move in June, I also think that um, the financial markets have been more right than the Fed at forecasting their own rate hikes.
4: Diane Swank, so continue along on that thought, and if an investor is not necessarily concerned about the push and pull at the Federal Reserve but wants to concentrate on making money in stocks... Where would you suggest they look?
3: Well, you know, I'm not an advisor on stocks, but, you know, winners and losers in the U.S. economy. I think what we're looking at is even though we've seen some bad news from retailers, we also are seeing retailers that are going bankrupt. There's a restructuring in the retail sector. That doesn't mean the consumer is anywhere near dead. In fact, we know that some of the consumer data from the first quarter was underestimated because of the way we account for the retail sales data. We look at retail sales by type of retailer, not by what they sell. And, in fact, in January and February, when gas prices were plummeting at the pump, places like Walmart, Sam's Club, Cost Club, which sell gasoline, also saw a softening in retail sales. But it wasn't actual softening. It was the prices of gas going down while people were spending more money inside the stores. So there really is a lot of noise out there in the data as well, which makes it really hard to get through this period in terms of finding winners and losers. I do think a key issue going forward, particularly for manufacturing, Beyond the retail sector, I think the consumer is going to still continue to spend. The question is where. And beyond the retail sector is a strong dollar. And how will that affect manufacturing? Manufacturing looks like it's bottoming out there, but we've still got a long way to go. Once you're at the bottom of a barrel of oil, you still got to climb your way out.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, Diane, is it possible that some have said that the, the markets are underestimating the Federal Reserve's resolve? And if you take, for example, the fact that the Fed in December – raise its key rate the first time since two thousand six, when in one of its key metrics, inflation, was far from target. Does that is that perhaps a sign that, you know, guess what? They could move in June because they're nervous about keeping the key rate so low and as they keep saying, as John Williams said in San Francisco last week, this is normalizing rates isn't necessarily tightening.
3: Exactly, and I think that's one of the issues that's still very hard. Our markets operate in black and white. Is the rates going up or the rates going down? That's not necessarily tightening or easing. It's less easy money, and Stan Fisher has gone to great lengths to try to explain this, saying listen, we're trying to um, ease up on the accelerator. We're not hitting the brake, and I think that's a subtlety that's getting lost in translation, although the Fed's the one doing the translation, so let's, let's face it, they're not giving the right message. I think it's all- Also important, though, that, you know, the break within the Fed between the sort of more hawkish, say, Vice Chairman Stan Fisher and Janet Yellen, who's not necessarily – not hawkish, but she really does see, she's a veteran of the 90s, and she sees this opportunity to sort of overshoot on unemployment. She's seen the participation rate coming up, and she sees that ability that if you overshoot in a low-inflation environment and overstimulate perhaps a bit, you might actually reengage a lot of these workers that we sort of thought could never even reenter the labor force. Back in the 90s, all you needed was a pulse to get a job. That's something we're far from right now, but to think that you could even get a little bit closer to that is something that I think is enticing to her.
4: And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about the automobile industry in the United States, and maybe then we'll talk about housing, but automobiles have been important for the economic recovery.
3: Yeah, you know, automobile. I'm from Detroit, I used to be an auto analyst, I grew up in the auto industry, it's like, you know, oil in my blood, so you can take the girl out of Detroit, you can't take the Detroit out of the girl. The yes, auto there's in-
4: a reason I asked. you.
3: I <laughs> know, um, Tom Keene's always getting me on the auto industry as well, but you know, I mean, the issue is on autos is what's fueling the sales, and what worries me is the run-up in two things right now. Not only only subprime lending, which um, the auto industry got a waiver on when they got restructured. They were the ones to continue subprime lending, which helped to support vehicle sales, and we did have really strong vehicle sales snap back in the month of April, but also we're seeing lease sales pick up, and these are many of the problems that got the auto industry into its um, sort of crisis in the first place beyond what was tied to the subprime mortgage price crisis up until about 2005. Many people who were up through 2005, a lot of home equity lines of credit, were not just going to pay for homes and refinance homes and pay for mortgages. They're also going to pay for cars. And then, of course, car sales collapsed as the equity market and housing collapsed. So I think think the auto industry is being a little precarious with how they're juicing sales at the moment.
4: We're going to continue the conversation with Diane Swank, the founder of Diane Swank Economics. More on the Federal Reserve and more on what the U.S. economy means for the direction of stock prices and bond yields. That's next on Taking Stock.
2: Is the dollar slump over? Goldman Sachs says it is. Does the Federal Reserve play a role? And how about that Bank of England meeting tomorrow? We're going to look at all these questions coming up on Bloomberg Radio.
0: Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991; to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Taking Stock.
2: I'm Kathleen Hayes, along with Pim Fox, the Federal Reserve in focus, along with the Bank of England and the European Central Bank. of central banks run out of bullets if the economy does Falter in the U.S. and globally? We'll be asking Diane Swank to answer that question and more.
4: Yes, and also coming up, we'll take a look at the impeachment of the president of uh, Brazil, Dilma Rousseff. We've got uh, Raymond Collett, uh, Bloomberg bureau chief in Brasilia. He'll be joining us later on in the program. But right now, let's go to Charlie Pellet in the Bloomberg newsroom for Bloomberg Business Flash.
0: And I thank you, Pimp Fox. So thank you, Kathleen Hayes, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all declining. We are brought to you by vanek vectors etfs expect more from your munis target tax-exempt income by maturity and credit quality all with low-cost etfs visit vanek.com slash muni vanek access the opportunities. Stocks are slipping after the biggest gain in two months as disappointing results from Disney and Macy's raised doubts about the strength of the U.S. consumer. Oil rose after an unexpected drop in inventories. The dollar fell, crude up a $1.51 a barrel, 46.17 now, a gain there of 3.4%. Gold up 12.70 the ounce, advancing one percent to 12.7750. Billionaire hedge fund manager Paul Singer says gold's best quarter in 30 years, probably just the beginning of a rebound. Bob Iachino is with Path Trading Partners in Chicago. When you look at the fundamental picture of the Fed losing credibility, global central banks continuing to have that pressure. We saw industrial production in Germany and France disappoint last week, and we're seeing now that in the same period of time from a December 3rd of last year, the dollar index fell about 6.5%. Gold is up almost 22%. So if you expect a couple more percentage points lower, if you expect the Fed's path to be a little more dovish, you can expect another large rise in gold. Fossil Group shares plummeting to the lowest price in more than six years after the watchmaker slashed its full-year earnings forecast. Shares now down by 28.9%. The S&P down 15, a drop of seven-tenths of 1%. 2.32 on Wall Street. Now we'll look at other news from around the world on Bloomberg Radio.
1: Charlie, thank you. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Mark Crumpton. House Speaker Paul Ryan says the Republican Party needs to come together to defeat likely Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton in November.
0: To pretend we're unified as a party after coming through a very bruising primary, which just ended like a week ago... Um, to pretend we're unified without actually unifying, then we go into the fall at half strength.
1: Speaker Ryan meets with presumptive GOP presidential nominee Donald Trump in Washington tomorrow. FBI Director James Comey is speaking out on the investigation into the private email server account that Hillary Clinton used when she was Secretary of State. Director Comey told reporters, quote, I remain close to that investigation to ensure that it's done well and has the resources it needs, end quote. ABC News reported last week the FBI was seeking to interview Secretary Clinton soon, but a Clinton spokesman says she hasn't received an invitation from the FBI to answer questions. In Italy, the lower chamber of deputies has voted to grant legal recognition to civil unions. The bill passed 369 to 193. The legislation stopped short of authorizing gay marriage, but it's significant because Italy was the last holdout in Western Europe to extend some rights to gay couples. A new right-to-die bill has been introduced in New York's legislature. It would allow terminally ill patients to request life-ending drugs from a physician. The proposal would require two doctors to certify that the patient's illness is, in fact, terminal. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists in more than 150 news bureaus around the world. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Mark Crumpton. Charlie?
0: And we thank you. And again, recapping, a move lower for U.S. equities right now. The S&P down 15 points to 2069, a drop of 7 tenths of 1%. Ten-year up 9.30 seconds. The yield there, 1.72%. I'm Charlie Peloton. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash.
2: The Fed in Focus on Taking Stock is brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer, RIA, that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. This
0: is Taking Stock, the Fed in Focus on Bloomberg Radio.
4: Joining us now is Diane Swank, founder of Diane Swank Economics. Uh, Diane, just to continue uh, the conversation, I know that we were talking about the automobile industry. Tell us your thoughts about the housing industry in the United States. You
3: know, this is really an interesting area where we've got prices going up very rapidly because demand is outstripping supply and what's still a tepid overall market. The, some of the supply problems we're finding are very structural in nature. Um, what we've seen is at the local level, in particular in more urban areas and in close by, Suburbs, many cash-strapped sta- um, municipalities have raised fees and all the costs of the land for builders to build in order to make up for the shortfall they felt in real estate revenues during the height of the crisis. The result has made it really hard for builders to move downstream and build more product for entry-level, first-time buyers, and as a result, they've stayed higher in the market, which has really constrained supply. We also have seen the South not really come back yet, which is the driver of housing starts and the real activity out there and that's really Florida has been sort of a laggard it was the epicenter of the subprime crisis. Some of those markets are starting to finally firm and I do think that'll help but you've really got an issue where housing is actually very constrained and the result is showing up in price and the prices are going up much more rapidly than incomes and eroding some affordability even at a time when housing and interest rates are still relatively affordable. I think these are real issues we need to sort of look at because that housing price appreciation is also going to show up in some of the um, measurements of inflation as well.
2: Diane, uh, why are bond yields staying so low? <laughs> Is it because investors around the world, number one, they're saying, ah, oh, we can get some yield in the U.S., which we can't get almost anyplace else. Are investors saying, oh, the economy's weak? Are they saying, well, the Fed's going to move, but so slowly, I might as well keep my money in bonds because that's the main reason you've got these terrific mortgage rates, and a lot of people are refinancing.
3: It's it's really stunning, isn't it? I mean, one seven on a on a ten year, and it, I, I laugh because you know we we've all been I've been humbled more than one. By well, my own forecast that bond yield should rise at some point in time and it's like waiting for a good O. Um, I think all of the above is really important. You know, the seek for yield, the U.S. is a safe return and if you don't think inflation is high and think about, you know, in other countries where you've got inflation much lower than the U.S. and the risk of deflation still there, it looks pretty good to get 1.7 on the 10 year So I think all of these factors are coming into play. I also think there really, you know, there is a sort of reluctance to believe the Fed will raise rates and that's because the Fed is not been consistent in their message. There really is a credibility issue here. There's a communication issue here. And, you know, that's sort of a residual of the transparency that we saw come under Ben Bernanke. He really felt that everyone should see the spectrum of debate. And instead, you know, we see the sausage getting made and we don't really like the blood and everything that goes with it.
4: Diane, who is going to take the loss on bonds? Uh, You mentioned the tenure, right? Now at 1.72. Now, if you were to buy that, Or if you're in an institution and you're going to buy it to trade it, someone's going to have to be on the other side of the trade when you finally sell it. Is everyone going to rush to the exit at the same time, and we're going to have a bond collapse?
3: Um, Well, you know who knows. I mean, we do tend to have big movements in bonds. My biggest concern about the bond market is actually, depending on what happens in November, we we are really underpricing political risk out there, and that could be a turning point. um, As we finally, we're not pricing in political risk or policy risk because there's still many so so many uncertainties out there, and the market. Do you think bond
4: prices could rally?
3: Uh, I actually think they could go. They could go the other direction. But um, if you
4: have political risk, wouldn't people buy U.S. Treasuries? Political
3: risk in the U.S. I see. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and,
2: and I think there's we. Uh there's others, though, who are saying that if you look at the global forces, they are still more disinflationary and even deflationary. And that, in fact, Pim, you may recall just a couple of weeks ago, we had David Kotak on from Cumberland Advisors when we were looking at Europe. He's predicting that you're going to have very low inflation and very low and even some negative rates in Europe till the end of the decade. And he said that is going to support these yields and prices on U.S. Treasuries, and we could see a further rally.
4: Diane, what do you think?
2: Well,
3: you know, I mean, um, I, there certainly is a possibility for a further rally, and we can't rule it out. Um, one of the things that I think we're going to have to see is whether or not we get a snapback in growth. I do think the GDP numbers—we've got to deal with the disconnect we're seeing in employment data versus the overall GDP data. Is productivity growth really that weak? If it is. Any acceleration in wages would be dry tinder for some inflation. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I do think that reality is somewhere in between the GDP figures which were, you know, 0.5% in the first quarter and the employment data, which was much stronger. So I think I my own sense is that we will see a bit of a snapback in growth. The question is what happens when we get to the elections? Because it used to just be noise, and here I am sitting in Washington and it used to just be noise to us as an economist, but the policy risks of you know trade protect of protecting of tariffs increasing, of immigration, you know, being even further cut back. All of those things undermine growth. There's sort of a, a, misconnect, a disconnect between correlation and causality. The globalization of the U.S. economy was going to occur no matter what. The problem is many people were sidelined by that globalization. We just didn't prepare them for the operating in a global economy with the skills they needed to earn what they needed to earn.
2: Dan Swank, I love that new word you just made, misconnect. A misconnect. I'm going to tweet that out. Diane Swank is founder of Diane Swank Economics. Joining us from Washington, D.C. today to put the Federal Reserve in focus. I'm Kathleen Hazeloff, PIMFOX. We're taking stock on Bloomberg Radio.
4: Coming upon taking stock, Brazil's President Dilma Rousseff could be hours away from being forced out of office, at least temporarily. We've got an update next.